0: In 1994, Jim Carrey was finally having a moment. He was headlining not one, not two, but three studio films. There's the gross-out comedy Ace Ventura, and then there's the buddy film Dumb and Dumber. But it's the last one that may be the most historical. Carrey made a splash with his performance in The Mask, but we must acknowledge that the spotlight was almost nearly stolen by his talented co-star. Her name is Cameron Diaz. Diaz made her screen debut in The Mask, and she very quickly became a sensation. Within a few years, she found herself co-starring with the likes of Julia Roberts, Keanu Reeves, and Ewan McGregor. When the Fairly brothers started looking for their next female lead, they almost had no choice but to cast Diaz. There's Something About Mary as the Fairley brothers' third film, coming right after their underrated bowling film Kingpin, which followed, hey look at that, one of the three elements of Jim Carrey's 1994 triumvirate Dumb and Dumber. Like their earlier films, this film is a crude, lewd, and funny film. It is about the almost mythically perfect Mary, and the guys who can't seem to shake her. Diaz solidifies her budding persona here as a cool, down-to-earth romantic lead. A person who's just as funny and just as interesting as any leading man Hollywood could try to concoct. Fearlessly crafted, with an almost painstaking attention to embarrassment. There's something about Mary as a film that may work as well as it does, thanks to the presence of Cameron Diaz.
1: Ryan, you do not have uh, a mysterious white liquid in your hair, (laughs) but uh, our movie today did. One of the most famous scenes from one of the most famous comedies of the late 90s. This is Kelly McCrillis with a weird voice and a new microphone talking on A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Com. And as always is my co-host, Ryan Graves. Ooh, yeah. And we're talking about There's Something About Mary. We got a bleeder! Are you okay, Ted? It was definitely love. I'm Mary again. I mean, crushes don't last for 13 years, right? Jeez. And Ryan isn't there. Just
0: there, really, is something about
1: Mary. What, what would you say that thing is? She's hot. She is hot. She is hot. What, what else? What else about Mary makes her so attractive to these ultimately five gentlemen?
0: Um, I wouldn't call them gentlemen. I think that's your first, your first thing to think about. <laughs> There is. These are the opposite of gentlemen. They are all crazy stalker.
1: I would say that's false. And I'm going to raise the number to six because there is the old gentleman at the end of the film who shoots one of the musicians. We have two gentlemen, at least, in the mix. Uh, you got
0: Ben Stiller. Yes. And
1: Brett Favre. And Brett Favre. <laughs> now tell me, Ryan, if you had to choose between Brett Favre, America's corn-hucking, cheese-head-wearing... Football player of the year, my brother's favorite football player, or Ben Stiller, America's goofy sweetheart who's a good filmmaker in his own right. Which are you going to pick?
0: I was really wanting her to go after Brett Favre, and I was really disappointed that she picked Ben Stiller.
1: Now, why is that?
0: Because this movie, uh, I don't know about you, but. I'm done. I'm done with this voice. So I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I enjoyed this movie. A hell of a lot. And what I liked about it is that pretty on much on all of the like tropes, they were not going to play ball. They were going to either be subversive or be irreverent or disrespectful and, and not in the way that they came together was irreverent or
1: no, this movie was nothing if not irreverent as I would say most fairly brother movies are. Yeah. Um, The Fairley Brothers. Let's talk about them. They made this movie. They've made other great films like Dumb and Dumber, Uh uh, Shallow Howl, uh, the movie where they're stuck together. (laughs) Stuck together. Um, Kingpin. uh, Kingpin. um, Bill Murray. And then more recently, a couple of misses with uh, The Three Stooges and Dumb and Dumber 2.
0: Yeah. Did you see Stuck on You?
1: No, but uh, Robin really likes it. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, because I saw the trailer for that. I'm like, what is wrong with them? How did they get so far away from like, like this is such a high concept. I don't even know what they're thinking about kind of movie, but okay. Who are one of a kind.
1: Well, I'm going to have to level with you. Siamese twins ain't the easiest cell I've ever had. We're not Siamese. We're American. Well, I I don't know because I did not enjoy this movie as much as you did. Okay. Have you seen it before? uh, I'd seen bits and pieces of it. Like... Where I was on a trip, I think to California for like either a film festival or to go see a friend in LA and I was just staying at a hotel for once in LA and I ended up, it was like on TBS on the hotel room screen. And so I was like, oh, there's something about Mary. I I know this movie like through cultural osmosis. I'll watch part of it. One thing I do want to say is I like the Fairley Brothers style. Yeah. Like, uh, their filmmaking style, it, I felt very nostalgic watching this movie, not just because of, like, the 90s soundtrack and everything, but they shoot in this very clean, traditional style that works really well for comedy mm-hmm. that I, I was like, I want more of this. I want more of this. The uh, the things I had problems with were kind of just the um, – it, it, it felt like a movie, and I think you'll probably agree with this, though you might have a different take on the comedy, that was, um, like – it was made up of two main ingredients. One was like the through storyline and the other one were the other part of that is the comedic bits where it's, it's like a sketch and then the storyline and then a sketch and then a storyline. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's how a lot of like, it's worse in terms of being more discordant in dumb and dumber where it's like, if you think about the storyline of Dumb and Dumber, it doesn't, like, it's so so random what those guys go through.
1: Maybe it's on the briefcase. Look on the- Oh, yeah. It's right here. Samsonite. I was way off. Right, but we're always with them going through it. Yeah. Um, whereas this movie, like, kind of bounces from one group to another group to yeah. another group. And it it feels more dis. Discombobulated than discordant?
0: Yeah, so maybe we should get into it. Do you want to hear a story?
1: Please tell me a story.
0: Tell me a story, Turk.
1: Let me tell you a story about love, Ditanian. I I ask you about love, but they quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter. and not very good at telling stories. That's the
0: end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting.
1: Listen, that's
0: the end of that saga. The end. So... The movie starts in like late Uh, eighties.
1: yeah. What seventies? I think seventies.
0: No, no. So like let's work this out. Movie came out in nineteen ninety eight. He says it was thirteen years since high school. So it must have been nineteen eighty
1: five. Oh, okay. His his uh the only reason I thought that was because of his suit. But maybe I maybe I just
0: it's just, it's even older. It's yeah. even like worse that he's wearing a 70s suit in 1985. And
1: you've got all of these people playing high schoolers in in the opening, like Ben Stiller and Cameron Diaz, uh, who are all the same age as the parents in the film. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah.
0: And uh, so it starts off with Ben Stiller is a nerd in high school and he's just one of those, he's like half burnout, half nerd, and he's got huge braces and there's just
1: not a lot going for him. Yeah, I guess so. He doesn't really seem like a burner though.
0: Well, this friends kind of seem like the, like in the freaks and geeks mold, they seem more like the freaks than the geeks. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, but he, he's all right. He's yeah. nice. He, he
1: he stands up for her brother. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he
0: has his save the cat moment in yeah. the very beginning of the movie. He stands up for him, which we'll pot. Well, we, we're going to have a whole segment talking about how this movie deals with mentally disabled people. Um, but I just, which wa- the
1: Fairley brothers are actually very well known for yeah. this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, I can understand both people being like it's bad and other people's like, no, it's the opposite. It's actually really good. But Mm -hmm. either way, the movie does this joke where the punchline is at the expense of the, the character who's mentally disabled. And you have, so basically I'll break out. I'll break down the joke. So Cameron Diaz's brother is running around the high school asking if, anyone seen his baseball Mm -hmm. and he runs into these kids and they're like go ask this girl but say this and so he says instead of where's my baseball he says have you seen my wiener and that's the joke that's the gag
1: well i mean it's not a joke though it's somebody playing a joke on him in movie
0: i feel like the movie is kind of making it a funny line though like i feel like they're playing a laugh there
1: i don't think so i think the fact that like Ben's like everybody else is laughing, but Ben yeah. Stiller.
0: Yeah, Ben Stiller goes to the rescue and it is, is stands up for him because he gets into a fight. Because I this. think that's
1: the movie standing up for that character more than it is any of these other idiots. Yeah, but
0: it, it still felt like a beat where it's like, are you trying to make a joke out of this, or are you trying, or like, I, I felt- if you're in a movie theater, are people going to laugh when this happens
1: when that line gets read? Well, like in that kind of, ha-ha, he said wiener? Yeah. Or is it, ha-ha, that guy said wiener? Because well, there's a...
0: Yeah, it's hard to tell.
1: I I don't know. I, I didn't really read it like that. But either way, either Ben
0: Stiller gets to play the, the good guy and mm-hmm. you know comes to his rescue. So he gets the attention of uh, Mary, played mm-hmm. by Cameron Diaz, who
1: uh,
0: we should say right now is just lovely in this movie. She is just...
1: I think she's at her, I don't want to say at her height of her acting career, but there's something, uh, I haven't seen a lot of Cameron Diaz films, like seen Charlie's Angels, seen The Holiday. This movie, most, like, I've never seen uh, a role quite fit her like a glove like this did. Oh yeah,
0: she's just wonderful. Uh, She's, you know, what everyone for lack of better words, fantasizes about in high school is the girl next door. Tall, blonde, pretty, but really cool. Really
1: down to earth and really personable. I mean, you're speaking for a lot of people's fantasies right here, but go ahead.
0: But but the movie is kind of saying, they're pitching her as the, the this model of the girl next door. And sure. it's a version. And like, for me, tall and blonde is not my type. But I can get into the movie where it's like, I can understand how she's Ben Stiller's type totally like, like yeah for me it's short brunette women <laughs> as you observed. <laughs> that is a type yes um but what about what about for you were like were you in the movie and she comes on screen Would, did you have that like ah uh, like i feel like the movie just knows how to portray her as like she's the girl but not in a male gazy kind of way just like this is ben's girl and at the end of the movie she turns out to be everyone's girl she's everyone's at least the men we meet is the idealized version and it's Creepy on their part, but the I feel like the movie is the only one that has the correct gaze of her. It's like she's really cool.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think this. I think everybody kind of sees her as being kind. Well, I, I'd say the men do the fantasizing in this film. Mm-hmm. The movie doesn't fantasize, but she's still pretty perfect. Yeah, she is. Like she's, she's not necessarily a character. The, ca-
0: the characters in this movie are pretty basic. Like Mary's pretty perfect and everyone else is pretty pathetic.
1: Yeah. And, and I'd say Ben Stiller is the closest one to who is who the least pathetic. Is, he's the least pathetic of the characters except Mary, but he has more character.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas in Dumb and Dumber, the Fairleigh Brothers indulge fantasy and they just help Lloyd Right. fantasize.
1: But but they're they're upfront about it. Yeah. And in this film, I would say that Mary I Cameron Diaz gets to do a lot in this movie, which makes her fun and it makes her job fun. But she's just an object of affection.
0: Yeah. But I f uh what was the movie where oh like uh the other Mary, ooh this is great. Mary and about time. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's more to Cameron Diaz is Mary than Rachel McAdams. Mary. I do not think so, <laughs> not I mean, in
1: the least. No,
0: <laughs> I I know a lot of Cameron Diaz is Mary's interests, things she's passionate about, things she's. interested in. She likes in.
1: golf. She's an orthopedic surgeon.
0: Who? What kind of guy does she like?
1: Well, yeah, it's it's set up what kind of guy she enjoys. I, um, yeah, I,
0: I just feel like we, but get that changes.
1: More... No, she's she likes the sporty, manly type. She she describes Brett Favre. Except, well, then see, this is why this almost doesn't work for me. She describes Brett Favre basically being the guy that she wants, except she isn't with him because he said something about Warren, mm-hmm. uh, that her brother, that she didn't like. But then she goes for somebody who's kind of the opposite of him, and she realizes what she likes is just somebody who she kind of has things in common she's
0: either into athletic sporty guys or dorky guys because she with braces yeah because she went for ben stiller with braces Mm -hmm. and she also went with matt dillon who at best we can call a really dorky guy
1: right i I mean no he's i mean he's not dorky he's sleazy but he's dorky
0: with her like that's the only way i can uh, justify her going on a date with him is if she truly thought he was a sleaze she wouldn't go out with him but he's a I would say he's dorky.
1: Well, she calls him a man basically because he farts and he like chews with his mouth open. I don't know. I The only dorky thing that he really brings to the table is the stuff that he spies on her about. Let's get back to the story because okay. we haven't told people where, where we're going yet. So
0: <laughs> what I enjoy about this movie is that for me, it actually gets funnier in the rewatch. Okay. Uh, So basically he defends Warren and Cameron Diaz basically asks him out because of it. To prom. Yeah. Asks him to prom, which is, you know, a dream come true. And so he he goes the next day. He's in his outdated suit
1: and he gets greeted by Keith David, who's just- Yeah, who's
0: hilarious. (laughs) Intimidating black man. And he just plays the part perfectly. And uh,
1: honestly, like he had me going. I was like, oh- She went like, this is, this is what the Fairley brothers are good at is convincing me that the situation is happening Yeah, because he tries to convince, um, Ben Stiller that, um, Mary has gone to prom without him with her old boyfriend, woogie, Woogie, and I was like, oh man, that sucks. (laughs) And then he's like, gotcha. And I was like, oh, Keith David, you got me. Yeah. He's great. (laughs) And the mom's good too. Yeah. What's her name? Um,
0: she was in Night Court, the lady from Night Court. Night Court. Uh, She was also in an episode of 30 Rock because yeah, they did a Night Court. That's video. right. I remember that. <laughs> so, so he gets there and they do the corsage thing and then a misunderstanding happens with a s- Warren. A
1: series of unfortunate events happen because he can't touch Warren's ear.
0: He tried to give a gift to Warren, touched his ear, Warren freaks out and then starts fighting him. And it's just one of those what's brilliant about the sequence for me is that it captures that awkward tension of all you want to do is impress the family of your date. And it just is the opposite. And they just, they, the Farley brothers know when they have a situation and they're just good dramatists where they ask, all right, how we, how can we ruin this? How right. Can we just the, destroy? They have, they have this?
1: no problem treating their main character badly.
0: But they do it in such a way that felt honest and didn't feel like...
1: Yes, to a degree. I would say that they, they, bring, they bring this... Like, if we're talking... like, Because let's be honest, folks. This is a romantic comedy, but it's 90% comedy.
0: Yeah, but it's still really about relationships. Sure,
1: and yeah, which is why I'm still giving it that yeah. 10%. Um, but they take this joke where he basically has to go clean his nose up or the, his mouth up in the bathroom after getting punched by her brother. And then he's in the bathroom and he's going to the bathroom and he's looking at these turtle doves. Oh, the turtle doves fly away. And he sees a crust. This, I don't know how big this house is. It's a huge house. Yeah, uh, And he sees across his alley and he sees Cameron Diaz changing just for a second. But then she notices and her mom notices and it's this big thing. And it looks like he was masturbating. At, yeah. And so he tries to zip up his pants after peeing and he zips up his like- His part genitals, of his Yeah. All of it. Uh, everything. And we get a nice look at that <laughs> at one point. But he, and at that point in time, you can either end the joke there and have him going out of the house- to the hospital, but instead you bring in the dad and the mom and a cop in the window and and a fireman. fireman.
0: They keep going and going and they keep stretching it and they just keep daring themselves. How much further can we take this joke? And I think 90% of the time they succeed.
1: This movie borders on the- Absurd? Yes, it does that. But um, it borders on the kind of comedy that kind of just makes me tired. Some it, okay. it, it doesn't quite get there because most of the time I I'm like okay maybe this is well because this is a ranch com I would call oh, it yeah. where a lot of the gags the physical gags are kind of gross out or pain or mm-hmm. embarrassment or awkward like imagine Sarah would hate this movie
0: yeah she doesn't probably. like The Office so no. I, I don't know it's if the awkwardness of, of this movie comedy.
1: like when they start taking it to the point where I'm like I'm in a world but then they start like peeling back the sides of the world and saying, you thought it was this kind of world, but it's actually an absurd world. Every once in a while, when you step through that comedy gate into this absurd world from a world that was still in the real, if we're going matrix on this, then my brain's like, Well, come on, guys. Pick or choose.
0: It's it's a tricky thing is mm-hmm. the suspension of disbelief,
1: especially in comedies. But the Fairly Brothers are very good at it. And so most yeah. of the time it doesn't bug me. When
0: they I, do it. I see it as a single universe that can have room for Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber and Bill Murray with his terrible comb over in Kingpin. And <laughs> what breaks it for me is like seeing the trailer for Stuck on You. Wait, like, Bill
1: Murray? I thought it was – what movie am I thinking of with um, – He's in white man can't jump and True Detective. Woody Harrelson. Wait, Woody Harrelson. He's the other. He's the
0: co- he's the star and Bill Murray's the, oh, okay, the villain. Yeah, okay. um, but when it breaks it for me is when like Stuck on You and it's like these conjoined twins. I'm like God. Now I'm. <laughs> it's not that they don't exist in the universe. Well, see, but it's not as that, believable that is that is the me.
1: premise though. So it sets it up for me and it's like you're in this world. Yeah. Whereas this movie kind of flits in and out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I understand that and and. Especially when a cop, like, it it feels like an SNL sketch Mm -hmm. where a cop walks in, a fireman walks in. Exactly. Like,
1: this movie felt like it was blips of SNL sketches. And
0: for me, the suspension of disbelief was taken to the brink, and that's where they stopped it. Mm -hmm. And that's when it cut to him going to the ambulance. And then it got more real looking for me, because I feel like they shot that scene in a set, and then they, they went back to on location for bringing him to the
1: ambulance. And then it was like, okay, we're still in reality, though, so don't worry. Um, it, I, it's really weird. But when they took him out to the ambulance, I was like, the colors out here are fantastic. I was <laughs> the things obsess- you observe. I was obsessing over the cinematography in that scene. I just thought it was beautiful. I thought like all the colors that they were using was beautiful. I thought the light was beautiful. The angles were good. I, I don't know why, but I really like that scene for oh, the cinematography. Good. Good job, guys. Um, so 13 the, years pass, 13 years pass. And Ben Stiller is... Still thinking about Mary. We catch him in like a therapy session,
0: where his therapist is ignoring him and eating a sandwich. Is 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 his Played therapist Richard, Richard Jenkins? Jenkins? Oh. Yeah. Wow. Like I, I saw. Everybody, do yourself a favor. Look up Richard Jenkins Jenkins' filmography. Watch every movie he's in.
1: Yeah, he's is, he's is a treasure in all of them. Though this movie does like a, a late '90s thing, where it's like. um Like, I don't know if it's making being gay the butt of a joke or if it's just, like, joking on stereotypes or what. Because, um, like, I remember being in college and somebody quoting the, um, you know, rest stops are homosexual hangouts, right? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what that's from or why you're saying that. (laughs) Yeah. But now I know it came from this movie. Yeah.
0: I think it's still stuck in the 90s um, sexual...
1: You know, right. Which they they do a callback to that joke actually later on yeah. in the movie, but we'll get there. So Ben Stiller is like obsessed, not obsessed, but he's still he hung up on Mary because he can't move on. like nothing came to fruition from that because his penis got injured. Yeah. Um, and so he goes over to Chris Elliott's house who most of Chris Elliott's scenes don't really make sense to me until the end of the movie. Right. Because so do you
0: want to spoil the end of the movie then?
1: Yeah. Chris Elliott ends up being woogie Uh and he's, he's like a kind of a gross stalker, but every scene that we see him in until the end, he's just kind of a, kind of a asshole. Like he's not an asshole. He's just a.
0: So the, the setup is we, Ben Stiller goes to his friend's house and Ben Stiller doesn't know that this is woogie, the guy who was the ex-boyfriend of Mary. And Chris Elliott seems to have like a perfect domestic middle class life where he's got a beautiful wife, two kids, super subservient, brings him cigars, just
1: makes him cookies. Yeah, just on a whim. Which is fine. You can bring people cigars and make cookies, but there was just something weird about it.
0: It is supposed to be weird. It's supposed to feel weird, and the whole point is it's a misdirect. The whole point of Chris Elliott is a misdirect. Right. Because at the end, we realize... We learn at the end of the movie that this is Woogie, uh, and this guy is just as obsessed with Mary as all the other men that we will meet in this movie.
1: Right, but he's also... he's He's got some... He's got some kinks that aren't easily satisfied. Specifically Mary's shoes. Yeah. Anyway, he's got we'll, some we'll,
0: kind of foot thing.
1: I like feet. I do not know why. We'll get there, but he hooks... Um, Ben Stiller up with Matt Dillon because Ben Stiller is having a hard time contacting Mary because she's moved to Florida and she's unlisted. And so he gets Matt Dillon to basically go down to Florida and find her her and get her contact info so that Ben Stiller can call her and be like, hey, how's it going?
0: And so when Matt Dillon's down there, he sees her and instantly falls in love with her and then decides pretty quickly that he's, he's going to
1: move to Florida and, and seduce her.
0: Yeah. And so he comes back, tells Ben Stiller, she's 250 pounds. She's going to Japan, uh, as a has got ride, like, she's four got four kids, five, four or five kids. Don't bother. And yeah. Ben Stiller hears this thinks about moving on, but can't bring himself to do it. And still, even if she is 250 pounds, all these things, he's still got to see her, which I think the movie, there's a good romantic, like, this guy is not that superficial. Right,
1: yeah, he's, he's, interested, he's interested in Mary not just because of who she is on the outside, but he's like, there was genuine connection there, which, like, this movie is absurd, so it's kind of fine that it's 13 years later and people change and are different people. Yeah. But we're, on, we're along for the ride. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. 13 years. Mm-hmm. So
0: for you, that would be when you're, like, 20. So in college, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I don't think that's that. Absurd. No, no, it, it, it really isn't that absurd because at at one point in time, I, I, there 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 are loves that you have back in in those days that do come with you, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's it's really not that absurd. It's just it's generally absurd if you haven't had a connection of some kind, which. Ben Stiller and her had a v- very, very minute connection.
0: Yeah. And I think that's also the other point of this movie is that guys are creepy and guys idealize and guys create something out of very little. And I think it gets at an honest portrayal of like men's worst sides and yeah. actually starts getting right. down to it and being like, and the way that Farrelly Brothers movies are honest. What I like about their humor is that it's like funny and true. Like, I,
1: well, here, I, I'm gonna go, yeah, okay. Well, you can keep <laughs> saying what you're gonna say. Sorry. <laughs>
0: well, well you, clearly you, you disagree already. So, no, it's just,
1: I, I generally don't like speaking about portrayals in the terms of saying men are kind of creepy. The men in this movie
0: are portrayed, I mean, pretty much all the men except for Brett Favre are portrayed in this way that's creepy. And the movie, to me, is generalizing. Yeah. It's saying, for
1: the most part, men are
0: not great. And I it's know. not saying its not saying all men are like this. I, but it's well, talking no, about I know. an aspect of...
1: <laughs> okay, but I'm not saying that all men... To, I'm not doing all men aren't like this. I'm saying the way that you spoke about it was saying that this movie is saying that men are generally creepy. Um, that is an aspect of men at their worst, and I agree with that sentiment. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I think that's what this movie thinks—that men are generally creepy. Uh,
0: not I think generally I think, creepy. Now, not not. I'm not saying this is all of us always, but it's an aspect of us, and I think it's it's a movie that's exploring this. Dark it's an side. aspect
1: of masculinity, or it's an aspect of every man.
0: I don't understand the question.
1: Well, basically like because what this movie seems to be exploring is that hey, men are basically creeps except for the good ones. Like kind of. And what you're saying is you're kind of agreeing with that.
0: Well, it's like a crime film. A crime films asks what is a human person, what bad things are a human person
1: capable of? Sure. I'm, I'm going to say that people are capable of being creepy. And I'm going to say generally, if, if you're going to assume who is being creepy in a situation, generally men, Mm -hmm. but I'm also not going to paint with a broad brush and say, most men have the capability of being pretty creepy.
0: This movie is,
1: this movie is making that assertion. And and I'm saying, I disagree with that assertion.
0: I mean, it's, it's uh,
1: i i i think i think men can be super creepy and can be horrible but just as equally they also are yes the movie adults who have self-control movie
0: but the characters in this movie are not characters that you would want to associate with in the first place
1: uh ben stiller i would maybe
0: let's finish the plot and then we can get into the philosophy of it
1: okay um, so basically what happens is, um, Ben Stiller decides to go down to Florida because he finds out that Matt Dillon actually went down there to go after Mary. No, no he found he... out,
0: no, he found out Mary was hot and yeah. So, okay. Fr- from... Okay. So he is a little superficial cause that's what causes him to like go for it and go meet her anyways.
1: Right. But I mean, he was even thinking about her still beforehand. Yeah. So yeah. But he basically has a series of misadventures where he picks up um, a hitchhiker who ends up being a serial killer. And um, then he gets arrested because there was a big cop sting on um, people, m- gay people meeting in a rest stop and having sex.
0: And I was really confused when the scene happened. I was mm-hmm. like, wait, what, how is that illegal? And then they he thought Ben Stiller thought everyone it was soliciting sex I was like what kind of sting is this like no 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 i know this, it's the 90s no, but no, no this
1: sodomy laws were still a huge thing
0: oh god yeah
1: um and i i don't know florida's laws or if they were in like georgia or south carolina it was south
0: carolina he got arrested so I, yeah <laughs> yeah
1: um so but like they they're they're basically he's basically arrested but then he gets tried up uh because they found like, a body in his car. Yeah, that the, the, and the You're right, this movie
0: in. does just go into absurd places, but I still buy it. <laughs> sure. I, I, <laughs> I love the cops, by the way. Yeah. The cops
1: that arrest him and the the big cop who is like like really he's playing bad cop. He's playing bad cop. He's so
0: amped up. There's something like method about him where it's just he's just boiling and like there's something like kudos to the the Fairley brothers directing the scene because Whatever they did, they got this actor amped.
1: His name is Richard Tyson, and he's in like Battlefield Earth and Kindergarten Cop and Black Hawk Down. Oh uh, yeah, he's the bad guy. He's an action cop. dude. Yeah.
0: And whatever direction they gave him, it's so much. There's so much more effort from the performer. He's from, giving
1: 110. percent
0: Yeah. The direction, the performance, the portrayal of it, of just editing it right so that we can get this on screen. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I feel really. I get pleasure from the quality of this film where it could have been a lot lazier about it, but like, no, no, let's actually go for it. Like the only way this bit is going to work is if you're a hundred and 10% and I loved it. this scene. Hey, you know, I know this is the Bible belt and everything, but where I come from, this is not that
1: big a deal. I mean, you son of a bitch, you're going to fry. <laughs> hey, oh, no.
0: oh, Take it
1: easy. You okay? Hell is wrong with you. Right. Yeah, um, it was. What was hard for me were, was the scene in the car with the hitchhiker, where he's describing like the seven-minute ab workout. <laughs> really,
0: I love. Maybe I think Harlan Williams is you're either into him or you're not into him. And I really like him. It was
1: a thing where, like, for the first minute of the bit, I was into it. And then when it kept going and going, that's what I was talking about, about stretching the absurd. Yeah. Where it starts souring for me. And some of those bits start souring for me. So
0: a lot of these sequences, the reason why I'm into this movie is because of Ben Stiller's persona in the film. He's great. His... Like, Avatar is, like, I'm just a normal guy. And, like, we can, if we're going to relate to anybody in the movie, the movie's, like, saying, please relate to Ben, ben Stiller and mm-hmm. no one else <laughs> please don't like we're not expecting you to relate to matt Dillon. we're not expecting you to relate to the pizza guy who's imp- who's impersonating a british guy who's disabled
1: <laughs> He was really good though
0: please don't relate to these guys mm-hmm. we're designing ben stiller so that you can relate to him and he plays every scene with this very laid-back straight man approach where he's just trying to be like very normal yeah guy. ben
1: stiller who can bring it up to like a hundred in intensity. He, he always, really tamps it
0: down. Definitely. And that's the the that's why it's f- so funny for me is that the movie is so relentless against just testing this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's just trying to keep his cool in every situation he goes into with the cops, with the hitchhiker, with the dog, with with the bathroom. <laughs> he tried his he tries his best. He's just trying to get through it. And the movie is just like not letting him. It's not. It's not going to give him an inch. And that's where this comedic tension for me is is perfect. It just delivers. What do? You, what say you? On on the style of comedy.
1: Sometimes Does, it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't. So
0: when it doesn't work, like for me, it's the straight man Ben Stiller meeting the absurdity, almost a uh, cruelty theater of cruelty from the Fairley brothers who are just testing this guy. And that's the relatability part is I feel like I've had those situations where I'm at this girl's house and all I want to do is impress the family. And it just goes horribly, horribly wrong. This has
1: happened to you? No,
0: but <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't go through something this bad. But it's almost comforting to know that someone else went through something this bad.
1: What you're highlighting here is a is basically the reason why people watch horror films or adventure films where, like, let's say you're some people go and watch those and they say, oh, that could happen to me. Oh no, I'm not gonna go outside anymore because I'm afraid of the world. Some people watch it so that they can say, oh, the world is not that bad because these people went through the most intense situation. So I can actually go walk around in a forest and I'm like, oh, I can just enjoy myself because I know there's not somebody behind me with a giant knife. It's catharsis.
0: It's it's taking these embarrassing moments from your life and you're now attaching your yourself to Ben Stiller and it's not as bad as what he goes through and i feel like it's like when you when you tell an embarrassing story to close personal friends mm-hmm. and then someone is like i got i got one better and then they say something they tell a story even more embarrassing it gives you perspective to realize it's not that big of a deal sure what you went through isn't that big of a deal it's not that big of a disaster in your life and you you got through it and, and- this movie is like saying it's not that big of a deal. Movies
1: work for that dramatically with me, but comedically
0: rarely. Well, what about The Office? Because I feel like The Office does the exact same thing, where it's that cringe comedy. It's like... I don't live cathartically through The Office, though. What do you enjoy about the humor of The Office? I
1: enjoy, I enjoy the situational humor of the characters because I enjoy the characters' lives. Okay. Which is why you don't like the last half of The Office. Yeah. Because you don't care about the characters as much as the comedy.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where were we on the plot? So he gets arrested.
1: He gets arrested, and then he gets let go because they actually find the murderer. And um, then he finally makes it to Miami, figures out that Matt Dillon has been um, basically kind of dating Mary for like a week Mm -hmm. or so. And the way Matt Dillon dates Mary is he uses his PI skills to basically stalk her, figure out what she likes, and try to become that person. And he... Is basically the opposite of the person that she wants for the most part. It's just that he's seen her. He's like, she's hot. So I'm. I don't know what his end goal is. I I know it's
0: like, how long can you keep up these lies? I know because he he pretends to be an architect. Yeah,
1: and he when he's pretending to be an architect on their first date, she brings him to an art exhibit where he meets, um, what's his name?
0: Um, Lee Evans. Yeah, and. He is a seemingly a British architect who uses crutches to get around and has big, adorable Buddy Holly glasses.
1: Now, is he British or is he American? I think he is
0: legitimately British. I think so, too. But he has the the very phony British accent
1: in the movie. But it's a good British accent. Yeah. Like, Like, just, like, the way he uses it is fun. Yeah. And so he's pretending to be this British architect, and he doesn't believe Matt Dillon is being... Cool, but he is also lying because he's a pizza guy.
0: Yeah, and so he's doing the same thing where he's impersonating someone he isn't, and so the rest of the movie is kind of the the pizza guy slash British architect guy kiboshes the relationship with Matt Dillon, but then Ben Stiller kiboshes the relationship with Matt Dillon too. She was already it's it's kind of this mess of like he doesn't. It's, Who doesn't? Um, well, he doesn't kibosh, but he just Ben Stiller comes in right at the right moment when right. she'll she was starting to move on from Matt art. Dillon. She she learns that he was a serial Matt Dillon was a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And at first, the information is revealed in a way that you think is he legitimately a serial? Yeah, killer?
1: Yeah, at one point because we just get him reacting because he's spying on her outside of her house with uh, spy gear and he's listening to Mary find out that he killed people and he's reacting like, Oh Oh no, no truth got out. And then when there's like this one reaction that he does where she's like, uh, like she's told that he hid the bodies and destroyed them beyond recognition. And he kind of (laughs) smiles. Like he's like, yeah, that's right. I did. And you're like, oh, so you did kill people? You are a killer? But it's Which like, I believe for a second. Yeah,
0: but then it's revealed later that he all that was just lies from British pizza it, guy.
1: It would have made more sense for me because the fact that he's such a stalker of this person and he's leading a devil life for somebody that he doesn't know means that he's capable of some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. And so when I found out he was a killer, I was like, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know why they decided not to make him a killer, I guess. <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe it was one step too far.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe.
0: Uh, so then Ben Stiller runs into Mary and they start dating, and they have a good time. They
1: they have a good time, except and... for the fact that, okay, I have a question. Uh huh. He's coming home from his first date with Mary, and they go back to the house that Mary lives at with uh, Magda. Magda, who's like this, she she's like she. She smokes a lot and she's super, super tan. She's the Miami Beach. And you she's know, got a dog. Yeah. And like she spies on her neighbors. Retiree. Yeah. And she, uh, this might be another time. I'm not sure. No, it is this time where basically Matt Dillon and the, the other guy, Lee Evans, um, <laughs> are like throwing snossages up into the house with speed in them. And because
0: one of the things is for Mary and Magda is that the dog, they trust the dog's reaction to the guy. And if the dog loves the guy, then the they guy, trust the guy. They trust the guy.
1: But they give them these snossages and she, like Magda ends up drinking one because it lands in her her drink. And basically what happens is they turn like what it doesn't seem like speed. It's like PCP. Yeah. Where like Magda's like lifting couches and the dog turns into like a psycho dog where yeah. before the the speed that he used was like, or maybe he didn't use speed before. Maybe it was like a Quaalude or something where he's yeah. just like put the dog to sleep. Right. So anyway, um, that that all happens. And then basically she finds out later on after they start dating and start having fun and like Ben Stiller is like, you know, hanging out with her and Warren, which is basically what she wants is a guy that can like hang out, have fun with her talk and like also enjoys taking care of Warren yeah. and hanging out with him. Um, and then she finds out that he actually did hire Matt Dillon. And this is another one of the points where it's like, this is an absurdist comedy so I can give it a pass. But Robin was getting so frustrated at this point. And I was just a little bit as well where she's like, did you have Matt Dillon follow me? And Ben Stiller's like, you you know, he eventually confesses to it, but why didn't he just tell her, look, you weren't listed. And I was just trying to get your contact information so I could talk to you.
0: I don't know how he could have gotten out of it without still sounding creepy stalker. No, but he sounds much
1: less. So if he tells her why he, he did it.
0: No, because he was, he was meeting her on this premise that he was just passing through Florida. And so he was operating on a lie I know
1: when he confesses, though, why doesn't he tell her the truth?
0: Uh, I I believed it of like, you're backed into a corner. You're not going to think logically. You're not going to make the best defense. Right. I guess so. But
1: he really does come out with the most passionate, like correct thing to say where he's like, you know what? I just couldn't stop thinking about you. And I think you're absolutely amazing. And that's why I did it. But he doesn't say why he did it. He just says that and then he leaves. Which is kind of a beautiful moment that for me it's one of those things um about movies where I I dislike a movie that could be fixed with a post-it note and isn't. That whatever
0: that issue you had is what, didn't come into my brain sure. sphere at all. Yeah. So I think that's one of the more subjective things where Perhaps it didn't work for your household, but for mine, it was
1: just kind of like... Your household being you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I feel like maybe in 15 years, Theo will watch stupid movies with me. I'll watch stupid
1: movies. I love stupid movies. No,
0: I need to be more clear. Sarah loves stupid movies. I don't think she likes gross movies. Mm -hmm. So... I'm, this is a gross movie, but I like it.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, I like some movie I do like this movie, is is the thing. Yeah. I just don't love it. Yeah. Um and basically it all gets resolved because um they all end up at her house when she's about to be killed by Woogie. Not yeah. killed, but he's gonna steal her shoes. Yeah. He creepily shows up and he's been getting hives all movie, and we don't know why he's getting hives. And it turns out that he gets hives when he's nervous about like being around Mary.
0: Yeah, or he's just, it's a nervous reaction. And, to Mary. And he has the same problem that Ben Stiller has, but has been repressing it even further and has been obsessed with Mary because we find out off screen that there was a restraining order, that there was like criminal stuff, that it got creepy. Uh-huh. So it was even worse with Chris Elliott and, or Woogie. Yeah. And so at the end of the movie... Matt Dillon, pizza British guy, woogie, all show up wanting, you know, Mary to make a choice to choose one of them, which
1: then, she doesn't have to do, yeah. but uh,
0: that's and then the premise. Ben Stiller shows up with Brett Favre, who throughout the whole movie we've been hearing about this ex-boyfriend named Brett. Yeah, <laughs> and it turns out that this NFL superstar
1: Brett Favre. And see, I wish that wasn't ruined for me because I saw that scene before where he Um, shows up at the end and I was like, so I know it's Brett Favre.
0: So am I... I, I'm really not much into football at all, Uh but he's essentially the, the 90s Tom Brady, right?
1: Yeah, I would say besides Tom Brady, he's probably one of the most famous football players. He's up there with like... Barry Sanders and Joe Montana, who they name drop in this movie, and Steve yeah. Young, who they also name drop in this movie because they're both 49ers. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, he is. But in, in
0: 1998, I feel like if in you asked anyone, he, name a football player. He I was think in most the Super Bowl in 1998,
1: be, and he was in the year before as well. Be Brett Favre. Yeah.
0: And if you asked a kid on today, name a football player, it'd be like uh, Tom Brady.
1: Well, yeah, but even even kids who like football players today know about Brett Favre.
0: Right, but, right, and that's the weird thing is how well this movie has aged. Because if you watch a movie like Space Jam, <laughs> follow me here, follow me down this path.
1: Okay, Michael Jordan's more famous than Brett Favre.
0: But but the, there's the other there's like Charles Barkley and other, Larry Bird, Larry Bird. But there's three or four other players that I can't remember.
1: Well, no, and then there's Bill Murray. There's those. But the, the they three, they got like all the guys. other
0: basketball players. No, there's
1: a few more that were Oh, that they steal power from. That's right. Um I mean, Reggie Miller might be one of them. I I can't remember exactly. Exactly. But... And
0: I feel like Brett Favre was like you could have there could have been like five other football players they could have gone with that would have had the same kind of effect of like oh famous football player. Mm-hmm. Like Mary had the the catch of all catches of like this great Right. But, but Brett Favre is, like, picking Michael Jordan. Like, it's just one of the... Basically.
1: <laughs> he's, yeah. At the time, he was the Michael Jordan of football. And still has
0: the name, reco- name recognition.
1: Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Um, and so,
0: basically... Ben Stiller does the selfless thing. Yeah. He he's calls...
1: Like, he somehow gets Brett Favre's number, which I completely forgive in this movie because yeah. we're already there. Um, and... Brett Favre kind of shows up at the end and um, all those other guys who were fighting over her are like, oh, Brett Favre's here. Well, can't compete against can't Brett Can't compete Favre. again. But every, all those guys then get mad at Ben Stiller and he's like, whatever, I'm going to leave. I just want Mary to be happy because we're a bunch of weirdos. And he does this thing.
0: As soon as he gets out the door, he breaks down in tears Yeah, and weeps because he didn't get Mary because- you know, part of the reason he did that was to look like the bigger man by sure. saying, I don't need you. I brought the guy for you. And he was secretly hoping.
1: But it's kind of a, 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 in both hands, you hold the sword of Damocles over yourself.
0: The, wow, that was a deep cut reference.
1: Well, like it's, it's like he he is his own doom and his own grace, which is the ultimate hero.
0: Uh, yeah, but I still think he's pretty selfish no part be, of no, no part no. of why he his, did it his, was to make himself look good too
1: i y- yes but what the hero does is like they do what they do because it is the right thing to do even if it does make them look good or even if it doesn't no i think my, I think my point could, don't you think
0: the part of the motivation was selfish
1: i i guess so but like whether it is or isn't doesn't really matter if he's willing to lose her
0: i don't think he was the way that he's weeping makes it clear that he wasn't willing to let her go no had, he
1: was willing to let her go that is why he leaves tells everybody else to leave and he's like you need to be with brett Favre." he leaves doesn't it just breaks his heart is all
0: oh i i saw it what? Real, no i really did see it as he's <laughs> weeping because part of him not a, not the majority but there was a part of him that was hoping that he still had a shot and him doing of course, such a nice thing.
1: That's not going to leave, though. Yeah. Like, but uh, that, that, and for does... him,
0: the Hail Mary was bringing Brett Favre. Uh, it...
1: Oh my gosh, that was the perfect sentence for this movie.
0: <laughs> From a pretty non football guy.
1: Yeah, good job. Good for me. That was like, you and I have.
0: Oof. Good job. But, but do you know what I mean? Where it's like, it's, he took a risk and he lost. Yeah. But I, <laughs> But then he won because then she decided I want to be with Ben Stiller anyways, and that's but, how the movie ends.
1: But what, what makes um, let's let's just talk about storytelling and what what allows us to be on the side of a hero in a story? Yeah, because Ben Stiller is not the most heroic person no, ever no. crafted. But the only thing that gets us on board with him and like uh, like at the end of the movie with his with this action is the fact that he he basically willingly gives away his selfishness yes because Wait, well, gives away his selfishness well i mean he what he does is he says i am willing to give you up in order for you to be happy
0: i i'm saying it's 90% selfless 10% selfish
1: sure i that could be in the background of his mind
0: i th- yeah but i
1: think there are other movies where I think you he's have al- he's also just sad right
0: yeah, but I think you do have heroes that are a hundred percent selfless and zero percent. I don't think
1: you can be a hundred percent selfless.
0: Okay, ninety nine and one. Like yeah, like What's like a Frodo self-
1: Baggins or something.
0: Well, even he had his selfish moments.
1: Okay, Sam, why is Gamgee, then? There you go. Potatoes, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Because, but the thing is, he he wants um, like what he what one. Uh, like, are you saying altruism is the same thing as selfless? Or,
0: I, I think a lot of why he did what he did was to make himself look like the m- best prospect, and it was a risk to bring in Brett Favre.
1: But, but that is bringing in the thing that will most likely make you fail.
0: He gambled and he lost, but then he won.
1: Because he's still the best prospect out of any of them. And so what he does is he makes himself lower by bringing Brett Favre, but at the same time brings himself higher. And so he almost, like, it's like he brought himself down 40%, but then up 60% with the action, which was just enough to push him above Brett Favre.
0: Right. And so the movie ends with Cameron Diaz picking Ben Stiller over Brett Favre. and (laughs) Such a silly sentence. I know, but I, (laughs) for a lot of this movie... Like I said before, it takes these tropes and is just irreverent towards them Mm -hmm. and is playing with them and saying, we don't need to do that. We can do it a different way, but we can still be honest. We can still be truthful. And I really wanted – the way I saw it is that a lot of his final action felt a little selfish to me, and I wanted him to fail because ultimately his mission is kind of – I mean, the movie knows. He's kind of pathetic.
1: Yeah, but he's – but – I would say he's much less pathetic than everybody else in this film. He's still
0: still definitely our hero. But that's why I think this movie is saying like, look, guys can be like this. They can be obsessive and they can be awkward and they can be stalkers. Yeah.
1: I think this movie is saying that, but it's also saying, but not everything is always as it seems because Ben Stiller did not say the truth when he should have, and that was his mistake. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that he was being a stalker.
0: Uh, uh, no, he wasn't. He's he was a stalker.
1: I read not, his actions. It's, wait, you think Ben Stiller was being a stalker in this film? He is the bottom rung of stalker. What What makes him a stalker?
0: Just everything he does to, to get himself into the... back into Cameron Diaz's life. Hires a
1: PI... No, yeah, but he hires a PI and this is this is just where I'm going to I'm not defending stalkers <laughs> out there, but he hires um, Matt Dillon very, very openly. He's like, look, all I want is her contact information so I can give her a call.
0: But he wasn't transparent with her.
1: Right. He lied to her. That is his fault. Not that he's a stalker. He lied to her about why he was there.
0: I feel like that's the stalker's
1: sin. No, the stalker's sin is that they are observing and becoming something different. Like, I I can give you that, like, it bridges a little bit. Yeah. But his sin is his lack of communication.
0: Right. And that's why I'm, like, I'm accepting their romantic conclusion. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. But I would have loved it even further if she just went with Brett Favre Mm. and it just ended there. And that would have felt like... Do you think there's an alternate ending? Maybe. and But that would have felt like the... And what they do instead is a a very good gag where throughout this movie they've been they had these musical interludes by the, this two-person band.
1: Which I loved.
0: Um, and we, found, we find out that the old, there was an older guy in the room that we thought was there for Magda, but it turns out he was there for Mary, too. And he tries to shoot Ben Stiller, but he misses and shoots this, what we thought was like a fictional band that was just like an He's aberrant. like the
1: troubadour in, <laughs> yeah. in Stars Hollow.
0: Um, and he just <laughs> kills the band member, cuts to black at the end. And so it does kind of have that, like, unexpected ending that's just is like it's maintained this irreverence through to the end but i thought it would have been like a master stroke for her to just stay with brett far okay
1: how would you have ended it though F-
0: pretty much the same where just he's have just Ben's- crying <laughs> yeah that's how i would have ended it because I, d- I don't think ben stiller of all of our romantic protagonists is probably the l- one of the most least deserving guys to have i don't I don't think so. To have love.
1: I think he... What he is is a quiet nerd who ends up being kind of a good guy for Mary. Yeah. As Mary is good for him. And it's... We know just about as much of either of them as... But... We don't really get to know much about him or much about Mary. Right. And so that's kind of why they both deserve each other, I
0: yeah. guess. And so I think. <laughs> it's not, I well, the, the characterization of them is pretty basic. Yeah. But there is something about Ben Stiller <laughs> where. It's been 13 years, man. Move you, on. I guess so, but you were just defending that but, at the
1: beginning of our episode.
0: But his whole thing is that he can't move on, and he's a, he, it, it's almost I, an obsession. I, I
1: read it as when he hands her over to um, Brett Favre and walks out the door and starts sobbing immediately. That is him immediately going through a stage of grief. Yeah um and so that is him But that
0: makes me feel bad for laughing at him
1: well yeah but that's okay but i think it's a gag we
0: should be laughing at his crying
1: well yeah we are laughing at his crying but that doesn't mean that this isn't the stage one of him like finally not being over her but it's stage one of he will eventually be over her yeah and and... i i like how it ended personally yeah it's it's good like ending on a tragedy after all of this tragedy would have been fine but Man, I needed a little bit of sweet after all of that sour. Well, it's like what I've
0: come to appreciate about Arrested Development is that I love that the characters, except for Michael Bluth, get their comeuppance. Well, Just and episode, George Michael. Yeah, episode after episode after episode, they all get foiled. And it's there's something... That feels honest in, in those foilings.
1: But that's that's what makes those sweet moments just so sweet in in that show. Like when George Michael and um, his dad can like hug each other yeah. even though they're on like a sinking boat.
0: I think it still would have been a good ending if the movie had her going with Brett Favre and Ben Stiller being, being like moved out in a way of saying – But he'll get over it.
1: Right. I need that at the ending if that's the case. If she's with Brett Favre, I need Ben Stiller having had made this healthy choice and being like, you know what? I was kind of obsessed with this woman in my heart for a while. But I'm not these guys and I'm never going to be these guys. I'm going to find love out there. Yeah. And I could have been okay with that.
0: What I... Ultimately want her to be with Brett Favre is we know money. Well, we know so little about him that we can totally idealize him and it's totally fair to I, idealize him. I really him.
1: can't because of how he speaks. Sure. <laughs> He's just like, hey, Mary. well, I'm, it's just kind of I'm like a football player. So I'm non-professional not professional
0: athlete. Like,
1: like, it's He's a like, non-professional athlete?
0: Well, non-professional actor. Oh, okay. <laughs> athlete. It's like the basketball players in Space Jam. Everyone but Michael Jordan got good acting lessons, and all the other basketball players are just there. And like I've just gotten used to that acting style. But I can still idealize him and just make him out to be the perfect person in my head. And I love Mary in this movie so much, I'm like, you know what? She deserves the best. Don't go to Ben Stiller. You deserve Brett Favre. He's the best.
1: I guess so. I think... I think she'd have a a better life with ben stiller really yeah i think from what little we get we see that their connection 13 years ago wasn't fake it was something where it's like oh man how do you guys actually met and like i mean i'm glad that they didn't get together in high school because high school things rarely work out but the the idea that that connection wasn't fake and they started like building a little bit of a connection in the movie means oh well actually he is kind of perfect for her
0: Yeah, at the movie-
1: she she's making a lot of money he's a struggling artist like he's willing to like literally just hang out with her and her brother all day and have fun like fr- from what little characterization we get seemingly he's great all we know about Brett is he's a nice guy which that's great too I guess
0: well I but the movie is definitely trying to make this point of like Brett Favre is like a superstar like he is a superstar but he just blows all competition out of the water in terms of romantic rivals
1: sure and actually since we're on that point I want to ask you who you'd fall in love with we're switching the order here a little bit today
0: but I think I've made it quite clear, as that I'm head over heels in love for with Brett Mary. Favre. Oh,
1: <laughs> sorry, who? Mary. Oh, okay. Cameron Diaz. Why?
0: She's just freaking cool, man. She's just the kind of person that you want to get a beer with. Yeah. I can't have beer because it doesn't work with my tongue. She does
1: seem to have really bad taste in men. So you're good there. Uh, <laughs> just joking, Ryan. I love you. No, but she. I would say that it's it's. If there's something about, if there is something about Mary that I find as kind of a, maybe not a fault, but she's extremely gullible. Uh, Yeah. yeah. But she doesn't seem like, she seems smart at the same time. I
0: think she's kind of like you, that she's very optimistic and uh-huh. very, well, is one to give the benefit of the doubt to
1: I, I love how on this show I like you keep telling people I'm the optimistic one, which I am out of the two of us in life, but man, I really haven't been that way on this show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you what I'm saying is give thank me you for opportunities the I what's great about her is that she'll go on a date with Ben Stiller mm-hmm. and it's like on the surface, Ben Stiller in high school, doesn't seem to have a lot to offer right there. But what Mary is
1: kind of saying, she's like, I don't know. Let's give him a shot. Not only that, but what, what he does seem to have to offer is courage. Mm-hmm. And we see that with him, like driving down to Florida and being like, you know what? I'm just going to go talk to her.
0: Uh, and you call that courage. I
1: call that a little, uh, a little, a little, it is, a little, it is a little, a little, it is a lot, but it, it, it's, in the degree to which we see in this movie, he recognizes that by the end.
0: It's that "How I Met Your Mother" trope of Dobler Dahmer. Um, you're either um, you're either John Cusack and um, say anything mm-hmm. with the stereo, mm-hmm. or Jeffrey Dahmer. You're Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> and it's a fine line. And I think this movie is definitely playing with the line of
1: Dobler- I think so Domer. too. Yeah, where like, and then there's also a serial killer in this movie. <laughs> yeah, like there's a whole degree of like if we we talk about the the health of men mhm i guess the 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 mental health and how they respect women there's like a huge line of men in different degrees of this yeah where i guess the worst would be is it wookie or is it wookie's
0: well, got some kinks but matt dillon goes pretty far to manipulate
1: her yeah i would say that the thing about Woogie is that she got a restraining order against him, but her life and her body is never in danger. It's just that he wants her shoes, yeah. which I think is a fun joke. Yeah. Because at first we think he's like, I'm not leaving here without uh, taking something from me. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, is he going to try to rape her? And then all of a sudden it's like, no, he just gets in her closet he and starts trying to steal her shoes. And she's like, give me back my shoes. <laughs> there, That is quintessential comedic relief. And Matt Dillon, <laughs> Matt Dillon is, the The one that I'm like most worried about, yeah, because he's kinda unhinged, yeah, um, and Lee Evans is I think he's one of those guys that is completely harmless until he's not, yeah, and so he's he's not maybe not the most immediately scary, but eventually, yeah, yeah, um, okay, I would fall in love with, yeah, the weird thing is. There really isn't anybody else to choose from, for me. Everyone else is pretty. <laughs> like the mom is fine, I guess. <laughs> the dad is fine. Warren's cool. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got, I, I, I like touching ears. So yeah. Um, I, touch the ear. I, I guess I'm just going to have to say Mary. Yeah. I, it's, it's a lame pick though.
0: Well, because yeah, there is something the movie, about, <laughs> but the movie is really not giving you much.
1: The movie's almost saying, "Hey boys, you're you're gonna have to do this one day. You're gonna have to pick Mary one day. So we're only giving you." Well, there's the musicians,
0: or Mary's friends. You could pick Sarah Silverman.
1: Ooh, Mm. yeah, um, Sarah Silverman. Like she she has this group of friends that she talks to, and um, she's like, "I don't need a guy. I got my vibrator." And she, they they're I think there is something about Mary because they also have nothing else to talk about except Mary. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like what I needed in this movie was also like one of her friends being in love with her too.
0: Oh, that would have been perfect.
1: Yeah. Next time. That would have been perfect. Next time guys. Um, But I'm going to say Mary because she does seem cool and nice and like, she's a fun hang and she's pretty stable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the most brilliant parts of this movie is actually making you sympathize kind of like it's not that deep of it, but it does get at the female experience of dealing with a lot of creepy guys. Sure. And we don't like to think ourselves of being among the gang of creepy guys, but we have at one time or the other been a part of the
1: gang of rejects. From sure. Women. Gang of rejects. Um, I, but I feel like everybody's been rejected at some point in their life.
0: Yeah. But this kind of gives me more, not that I'm like, Oh, you thought I was Matt Dillon say no more I'll move on I'm not saying that but it's that awkwardness of her type I thought this was the most fascinating aspect to her her type is men who are transparent about being men like Matt Dillon like that's his best aspect is that
1: who drink but all of the men in this movie drink light beer and that was one of the things she said that she doesn't like uh and maybe that's just because they're in Florida. But yeah.
0: But otherwise, like she said, I want to play 36 holes of golf with, go to a football game, have a corn dog, have a beer with, not light beer, just like a manly man. And Sarah Silverman makes that joke. It's like, whoa, geez, where are you going to find such a guy? And it's just like, if that's her type, all she's going to do is attract the creeps. Like if she had a type that was more in line with what the pizza guy was trying to impersonate, which was this classy British architect, then he would have actually had success. But that's not her type. She's not looking for
1: that. Wow. So you're saying that her type being like a man's dude who goes to football games and likes hanging out, which is eventually what basically Ben Stiller is.
0: Kinda. I didn't get the sense that he was any of those things.
1: I mean, he basically spends all day having snacks with her. Going like go karting and playing games and hanging out and playing baseball. And he's really good at swinging a baseball yeah, bat.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where it almost as if he lucked into those things. He didn't seem like a sporty guy. We didn't learn that up front about him that.
1: Right. I mean, we just have to, I guess, take it at face value. But you're saying that those guys are technically more apt to be creepy? No.
0: No. Oh, okay. No. But I'm saying her filter, she has no filter. You know, where most of the time she's most of the time the female protagonists in movies like this are going after sophisticated men or idealized sophisticated men. Take, for instance, while you were sleeping, she sees Peter Gallagher every day and Mm -hmm. she paints this life of who he is. Okay, Because of what he wears. You're saying
1: women in these movies that we're watching. Right.
0: Okay. Um, No, most men aren't sophisticated. Most men are you and me. Whoa, Ladies. ouch. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> but like I said, we're Cameron Diaz is tight. No, so I would say
1: I would say that you are generally one of the more sophisticated people I know. Thank you. I, I think you're 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 painting a world to fit into a thesis that you haven't thought all the way through for this film. No, this film
0: is saying she does not go for sophisticated men. They make that point that she oh, yeah, yeah, wants yeah. Okay.
1: You're right. She, that, she doesn't. That's go for, my only point. She's not going for sophisticated men, but if she did, that doesn't mean she wouldn't have these p- problems.
0: There would be creeps, but I feel like because she's not like Matt
1: Dillon, it, like she's not going for the guy who is quote unquote sophisticated, but he ends up being a sucky, not that kind of guy. Yeah, that's guy. true. But so she had gone but for he him, actually, he would have been a creep but too. But he
0: wasn't actually sophisticated. He sure. was pretending to be sophisticated. We don't,
1: we don't get to meet any sophisticated men in, in this, this movie, film, so we have no idea. Which
0: I think is also kind of the point. They're
1: in Florida. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm so sorry. Florida. <laughs>
0: well, that's the whole East Coast too. There's, there's other states at play. But I think... Th- what I got from it is that because of the her perfect guy is being really sporty, really. It's either Brett Favre. That's sure. your f- sophisticated guy. Right, right. You got it's either Brett, Brett Favre, Favre or all these other trash men, just not well, great guys. Again, Brett
1: Ben Stiller is not a trash man, though. <laughs> we, we see that he's trying to be a writer. He's not taking out garbage. We don't see that either. Yeah, I know. There's so little character to these people. <laughs> um, but do you see that point where it's no? Like, Really? I'm not going to just agree with that. I don't agree with it. Why? Why not? Because I I think Mary generally she she dates people and then sometimes changes her mind. We we. But hear the this movie early.
0: does make this point of like, why are you still single?
1: Like right, let you me are talk. perfect. Let me. You, you're asking me why why I think why I think this. Yeah. I think this because we get to see Mary in this one instance where these, like. All of these particular guys that are making her life difficult kind of coalesce at the same time on her life, right? But before that, she was dating Brett Favre. And seemingly, her life was great since that guy um, started stalking her at Princeton.
0: So you think she didn't have bad luck until... She didn't have this string of bad,
1: creepy guys until when we meet her. I mean, presumably if she had she would be a lot more careful about who she was dating.
0: Yeah, but like I think you're right before, is that the movie does kind of say she is a little naive, though. She, did, she does give the benefit of the doubt to these guys.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, that's like that's like saying, mm, I've never eaten dairy before, but um, that cheese was really tasty. And then getting a little stomachache, not knowing it was from the cheese. And then, like, next week, trying cheese again and being like, ooh really big stomach ache it's like you didn't know so like you're just trying things out and you're having a run of bad luck that's how i see it it's not that she just picks bad guys all the time
0: well what do you think do you think the movie's trying to get any deeper points of of mary's experience
1: not really i think it's it's trying to get a, a little bit at a big point in saying guys don't stalk women because it makes you look like creeps, but it's doing it with this comedic facade where like, most of the people who need to learn that lesson watching this movie aren't going to get that lesson.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so for me, what I ultimately enjoyed about this movie is that it helps you kind of start to understand what, for me as a guy... What my worst tendencies could be like and like actually make myself analyze my own actions, analyze what I do, analyze what I've gone through and be like, I've been there. I understand what they're going through and I'm watching the story and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of figuring out in high school, was I obsessive? I don't like to think that I was. But I kind of understand what I'm watching on screen. I'm certainly not doing what Matt Dillon does, but there's something truthful and honest. That's like men have these tendencies, sure. so like let's figure out why we have these tendencies and deal with it.
1: Yeah, I, well, here's the thing. I think that um, I think it's a good idea for people to look into their past and kind of be like, "All right, I want to take an, a good, hard, honest look at myself and see at one point in time did I." did I step over a line? Mm-hmm. Was I an imperfect person to somebody else? Which, yeah. you know, we all were, but um, I think men, especially in the uh, growing up in the late eighties, nineties, early two thousands have what like, kind of responsibility to themselves and the world to be self-reflective. Yeah. Yet at, at the same time, I think, I, I, I don't know. This movie isn't what did that to me though. This what did that to me was in high school, at one point in time, I came on a little bit strong to somebody, mm-hmm. and they're like, Whoa, I need to let you know how you're coming on right now. And then I became very self conscious about that for the yeah. next three years, which made it hell to like try to approach people. Yeah. And then I gained self confidence. And so.
0: Well, that's what feels cathartic about this film.
1: Where, where this could be a good easy way to start thinking that way. Yeah. Okay. I
0: see that. It's it's like you're in group and guys just have a safe space to start telling these embarrassing stories Mm -hmm. and you gain perspective and you get to start, you start to feel like, A, you're not alone and B, you're not that bad (laughs) because it could be so much worse.
1: Well, in in the realm of rom-com then, what is this saying about what men do to idealize women because I don't know what there is about Mary and I don't think this movie is saying there is anything about Mary. There's just some je ne sais quoi that all of these men have attached to. (laughs) I really like that the French title is some je ne sais quoi about Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And maybe that's what makes this movie slightly genius and maybe that's what makes this movie kind of stupid. Well... (laughs) I don't know about you, but as
0: I get older and especially being married, um but I think anyone in a long-term relationship also gets this perspective of people people are so much more nuanced and than you ever will understand and every year you know a person, they just get more and more complicated and what's really really cool is to see them grow in a different direction and just have a fascinating like front row view of the kind of person they start to change into. Mm -hmm. And that's just such a fun thing about being in a long-term relationship is like, wow, when I met you like six years ago, you weren't like this on this aspect, but now you're like this. And I think that's really cool. And I think this movie doesn't understand that nuance because it's that very beginning of like being attracted to someone, having this undeniable attraction that you can't move on from, which I think is totally powerful. But I relate to it less and less in my current life, but relate to it in a memory sense of really helping me understand who I was in high school and as a teenager when I was first starting to deal with these extremely powerful emotions and powerful feelings that really took hold of me. And, you know, when I look back, I'm like, God, I must have been a little bit like that. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel gross about myself. But, it's important that I understand that that's who I was. Hmm. And, you know, this movie's not gonna be perfect therapy the way that When Harry Met Sally is much better at, of actually getting into, you know, the meat and potatoes of, you know, men and women relationships. But nonetheless, I think it's getting at something. And especially with the body humor, I think that's got a place in the rom-com. I think that's it's really a very important thing cuz we got to deal with our sexual organs which can feel really awkward sometimes. And this movie makes you feel comfortable about it because you can laugh about it. It's having you deal with stuff like
1: <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. It can make you feel really comfortable about that. Talk talk to me. Talk to me more about how this ma- movie made you feel comfortable with I your sexual I was reading organs. Roger Ebert's review
0: uh-huh. and he's like there is a scene in this movie and I have been sitting, he literally says, I've been sitting at my keyboard for 10 minutes now, and I'm trying to figure out how to explain this to you in A, a family newspaper, and B, in a way that doesn't give away the plot. Uh-huh. <laughs> but. Let's give it away. So, one of the plot elements, and if you've seen the movie, you know exactly
1: what we're talking about. If and you if haven't you've, seen the movie, you probably know what we're talking but about. But if
0: you've seen the trailer, you also have gotten the indication. And the, the big iconic shot of this movie is Cameron Diaz's <laughs> hair. Shot. <laughs> yeah, um. but basically woogie uh, woogie well we don't know it's woogie and at the time here's,
1: here's the thing for especially for unexperienced men this is something that is a legitimate strategy strategy it I'm gonna say it tells him
0: <laughs> before you go on this date go masturbate beforehand so that you can get it out of your system so you're not like a loaded gun going into this date yeah and so <laughs> there is a masturbation scene in this movie <laughs> and, and
1: people I Men, <laughs> the the way he masturbates in this scene is to me very. I'm just gonna say inefficient, yeah, uh, and it's it's unstrategic, yeah. <laughs> because he ad, he ejaculates and he can't find his ejaculate it ends up being on his ear, which I mean you'd be able to feel, but we're in an absurd movie, yeah. But also it's like the way his body is angled, where he's just like. What's he planning on doing? Catching it with his hand? Getting (laughs) it on the floor? Yeah. There's a sink right there, dude. Yeah. You're not that short. Yeah. Sorry.
0: But (laughs) she she grabs it off of his ear and puts it through her hair because she thinks it's
1: hair gel. Which is funny. It's hilarious. It is just like uh, it's obvious and absurd that she wouldn't know exactly what that is because there's no way that material as created by the art department could be confused with hair gel. Yet at the same time, it was the 90s. And this is absurd. So I think what the movie movies like this are getting at good sex
0: comedies are getting at like sex can seem gross sometimes. And, you know, sometimes you just got to laugh about it. And this is an element that I've been learning about because Sarah is a marriage counselor and like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that sentence.
0: No, but they're like there. They're, and I think of all people, C.S. Lewis talks about this in his own literature Sometimes you just got to laugh about sex. Mm-hmm. Like you just got to
1: laugh about it. Actually, it's, most times.
0: It's weird. It can be gross sometimes. It can feel good. It can feel good in a weird way. It can feel weird in a gross way. And it's something that is hard to deal with because it's so under the table. It's so under the rug that we can't talk about it. And so movies like this is like, let's talk about it. Like, let's let's laugh about it. Let's just get it out of our systems, for uh-huh. lack of better words. Let's just get it out of the
1: way. So you're saying we are... F- like, this movie is fighting against these puritanical values that have been kind of embedded into our society.
0: No, I— I, I think th- it
1: is. I would I, I say it is. I wouldn't
0: use the term puritanical. I, I don't would. Think, I'm not saying— I don't think This comes
1: from a religious
0: background. I don't think they're <laughs> saying, let's take a stab at the religious, like— repression that we're dealing with
1: no well in a way though in a in a much broader terms not religion but in the way that our society has become the way it is because we
0: don't speak openly about sex
1: right and and just putting it out there it is the way it is because mainly of victorian religion right the the elements of comedy that do this i enjoy as well because it slowly opens up smaller talking points through laughter. And I think that's what comedy does best.
0: Yeah. And so this movie, I didn't have anything specific that I went through that I was like, I went through the same thing. (laughs) I had
1: nothing like that. Remember when your first date? uh... (laughs) Yeah.
0: But there's something subconscious in the humor that is just working things out for me in my subconscious that I don't even... I can't even articulate for you, but it just... After the movie ended, it just was like, wow, I felt like I just had a therapy session. Well,
1: that's great. I'm I'm so glad because good comedy should do that. Good movies should yeah. do that. In a way that um,
0: Booty Call didn't really. Like, Booty Call's a good sex comedy, but it just but didn't I, hit the same mark. Well,
1: here's the thing. It's because um, you relate more to Ben Stiller than Jamie Fox due to Jamie Foxx. Because I, I think even though he's not the one who goes through the arc in that movie, we get more of his sexual... Identity in that film. Yeah. Um, Because the other guy's just wanting sex the whole time, but he's actually kind of... We get to see his sexual personality. And his actual personality so different than yours that I just don't think you'd yeah. relate to him.
0: But Ben Stiller, I feel like is the guy that we all can relate to because of all. Yeah, these you've driven to
1: Florida before, <laughs> but I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and in that regard, I think you're going to really give this movie a really good rom com Oscar.
0: I was thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask me. And I've decided to give it best, I hope you don't get mad,
1: best comedy. I'm not going to get mad. Comedy's okay. subjective. Because. And I th- thought this movie had good comedy.
0: I laughed the most in this movie than I've ever laughed. Oh, I wanted. And I was, you've ever, ever laughed? Uh, oh, no. Of the movies that we've watched. Oh, okay. This one I found to be the most ha-ha funny. I was saying before that re-watching this movie is even better because when he shows up for the prom date, I know the gag that's coming. Uh I know what's going to happen to him when he zips up his pants. Uh And it's the suspense when you know that that's coming, that there's this like, this like chuckle that you're just like, (laughs) (laughs) and it's, it's, it's almost immature, but it, it it does. Again, it's that like weird cathartic humor that just works for me. Yeah. yeah Okay. Best best comedy. comedy.
1: All right. And I I really did love the scene with everybody waiting outside the door to try to like help him, yeah. and everybody when they saw it they were just like oh and it really does build that reveal yeah where you see it <laughs> and it just it makes my hand tighten right now yeah. even just thinking about it oh for me this movie had a lot of good twists in it because um, it took us a while to actually get through the plot yeah gosh right? this was to me this movie was a little long um, yeah two hour comedy. And not to say there isn't room for that, but, uh, at one point in time I was like, wow, Ben Stiller still hasn't made it to Mary. And we were like halfway through the movie. Yeah. Um, but I think this movie tricked me more times than any other rom-com that we've watched. And it's hard to do that to me because, and I, I part of it was because I wasn't expecting it generally my, like. Little antennae for being tricked are very on in films. And so I'm like, called it, called it, called it, called it. But this movie, I didn't. And so I want to give this movie most devious plotting.
0: Devious. Because the movie seems to be like, I, like it's not about, in a bad way. Not but a, no, I get it. So yeah. the movie's like, it's about Ben Stiller going after Mary, but then it takes this left turn. It's like, we're going to follow Matt Dillon for probably 20, 30 minutes. Right.
1: And I, and then like when it tricked me into thinking Matt Dillon was a murderer, and yeah. then I had no idea that the other guy wasn't British. And I was like, oh, is she just gonna be with Brett? Because I thought he that she was just gonna be with Brett Favre at the end of this film. And the fact that it's like, even though I knew it was Brett Favre, I was like, if I didn't, I probably wouldn't have guessed it. I just this movie took the time to take some plot twists that most romantic comedies just don't care about with their characters. Part of that's because it's a comedy part of it's because it's a Farley brothers and they're there's into drama and I felt tricked and I, and since this movie or this, this is going to come out a week after Halloween. Like this is the treat. I think that I feel after being tricked in a film yeah. is just like good on you for tricking me. Yeah. Not many do it. And you just, yeah, pulled the rug out from under me, and I landed on my butt laughing. And well done. Yeah. Um, well, uh, anything else you wanted to say about this movie? Um, I I think I made it pretty clear. Would you uh, recommend this to your mom? No. <laughs> Would you recommend this to your kid? When he's old enough. When is when is old enough for you for this movie? When did you first watch this movie?
0: I. Th- this was a movie I remembered... Like I had watched it once before, and for the longest time, I was getting all my movie recommendations from the FX channel. <laughs> okay, right, right after like NYPD Blue. Well, and the sh- the Shield. So, like, for some reason, they showed movies on there all the time. They do. And this FX was, has
1: good movies on it,
0: and because it had the 20th Century Fox Library. Mm. And so this movie came on, and I started watching it uh, on cable. And I remember well, this is an R rated movie and I'm watching it on cable. So they're going to cut out of the good bits. So unless
1: it's after 10 on FX.
0: So, yeah. And it wasn't because <laughs> it was like a sunny afternoon. I'm like, I should be doing
1: something more. Yeah. Productive. What happened to the old boobs scene?
0: Um, they didn't show it. They just showed nothing and the joke didn't work. Hmm. So that's, I remember renting this DVD. Um, and I forgot why you asked me, what was the question?
1: I, what else about this? Oh, when, when did you first watch it? How yeah, so
0: I guess I was uh, 18. I think this is a movie I rented in the summer after my senior year. So I don't know,
1: 16, 17, 18. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, well, let's. I think the last thing, we didn't really touch on him, but W. Earl Brown, who played Warren, was pretty fantastic in this movie. And I, for one, I, it's hard in a comedy to um, – like from the outside justify how some jokes come at the expense of um, people who are handicapped in any way. But at the same time, this movie more than most movies do also treat the actors as part of the film and as comedians Mm -hmm. at the same time. And he was a big part of that. And so I kind of want to applaud the movie at the same time and the Fairley Brothers. So it's just like, I don't know. I'm I'm coming down like right in the middle where I'm like, good job. Also, I didn't know how to feel about some parts.
0: Yeah, the same thing like with Shallow Hal, which we definitely should have on a list
1: where it's like... It is on our list.
0: Are you... Wait, so are you fat shaming? Like you're making jokes about her being fat. Or are you talking
1: about the world fat shaming? Yeah.
0: And mm. are you, and the mo- that movie ultimately comes down on like how we perceive people. And like the movie is like,
1: people really are just beautiful. Jack Black in that one? Yeah. And
0: yeah. that movie really says people are beautiful because of who you
1: are inside. At and the this movie the day, does too. Yeah. Even though we don't know too much about them, it is trying to get that point across.
0: Yeah. But the thing about the Fairleigh brothers is like, look, we're irreverent. We are. I don't know if disrespectful is the right word, but they're like, we're not going to play by, like, norms. We're mm-hmm. going to bend and break for the sake of getting you to laugh about sex. And they cast well. And getting you to think about these yeah. things and yeah. getting you to talk about
1: these things. I would say that this movie does not work very well if it's not well cast. Yeah. Like, it. I think it really... If, if you had lesser comedians, this movie would go straight in the toilet.
0: Yeah. And, you know, my final word is them being subversive is like a normal movie doesn't acknowledge the creepiness. For instance, Sleepless in Seattle. It's romantic what's going on here of Meg Ryan longing after Tom Hanks, only knowing his voice and wanting to go across country and doing all these things. It's
1: romantic the movie is trying to know. portray. And I'm actually, again, I'm okay. I think I am a little less harsh on traveling long distances to meet somebody. Because, sure. Yeah, I well, I mean, just because like I apparently was like that with Ben Stiller in this one, and I'm okay with Meg Ryan in that one.
0: But- you could have had Nora Ephron set up for Ben Stiller and Mary's relationship. Sure. You... But they're saying, no, it's not romantic. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're like going all different directions that are still just as honest. They're just not romanticizing it, but can still say something perceptive about relationships. And that's why I think it has has
1: good value. Sure. Didn't you love the music in this movie? Yeah. I have to say, 90s music is far outdoing. Like, we just watched To All the Boys I Love before too, and the pop music in that movie was fine and good and you seem to like it a lot yeah but i tend to like movies in the 90s music choices more Yeah, yeah i think they're less they're less afraid
0: i'm just impressed that the youths of today have very good taste in pop music whereas i feel like when we were growing up even the best pop music was really shitty
1: yeah yeah, when we were growing up, not always, but it depended. Yeah, um. we
0: were rescued by indie music in the like two thousand seven, two thousand eight era. We were finally able to find something that wasn't bad.
1: Pop. I wasn't listening to pop music then, though. I was listening to like neo punk.
0: Oh well, I I don't neo punk pop. I don't know what
1: I'd rather be. Yeah. Well, you didn't like Warp Tour music. Hmm. I was either listening to that or like Paul Simon. Wait, are you saying like Linkin Park? No. Okay. No, like um, like early Fall Out Boy or Gym Class Heroes kind of stuff. Yeah, I had a vendetta against Fall Or like Boys. Taking Back Sunday. No, no. Uh, uh, they're good. Back in the day, like don't hate me for this audience, but they were strikingly more similar. Taking Back Sunday was more like Fall Out Boy? Fall Out Boy used to be more like Taking Back Sunday. Damn. Like I'll show you sometime. Okay. Okay. So the number I'm going to come up with here is 98 for the year in which the movie came out and the pop group 98 Degrees. Yes, exactly. Enough said.
0: <laughs> uh, it's Nicole Hall of, Cent- Hall of Hall of Center Hall of Center Hall of Center. James Gandolfini, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Enough said. James Gandolfini's last role, I believe. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. What's it about? A divorced woman who decides to pursue the man she's interested in learns he's her new friend's ex-husband. Oh, it sounds like an episode of (laughs) Frasier. Oh, it sounds good to me. I love (laughs) Frasier.
1: Okay, well, um, we'll check that out next week uh, with a little bit of hopefully non-murderous James Gandolfini. Yeah. Um, And where can people find us on the web, Ry?
0: Gents, gmail.com, on the Instagram, on the Facebook. Look us
1: up. Do you think they should like rate us, maybe? And where would they do that?
0: Rate us and review us and kaboom us on Apple Podcasts. Maybe
1: tell friends about stuff. Tell your friends. If they want, yeah.
0: The best thing you can do, I'm going to give you two
1: options. Pretend to be somebody else. (laughs) Sneak into their house.
0: Go all the way to Florida. Uh, The best thing you can do, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Or, 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 or tell your friends Mm. to go listen.
1: Yeah. And please send us um, mail because, you know, we love getting mail. Email for now. Yeah. I would say email, not mail mail. If you send us an email and you seem like a trustworthy enough person, maybe. Yeah. We'll talk. But don't stalk. like, yeah, we're going to we're going to do more vetting than Mary did. Yeah.
0: Well, we're going to look into it. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, hey, buddy, I love you. And not in a way where I've like loved you for 13 years. And I'm just telling you now that I love you after like causing a whole bunch of chaos in your life. Just like a normal. I love you. I love you in a more obsessive way. Ah! <clears throat> and this is where we will say Goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu, thank you for listening to our review, rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe, see you next week on a gentleman's guide to romcoms.